0: the vault high atop the pastoral center of the diocese of camden you're listening to talking catholic
1: hello and welcome to another episode of talking catholic my name is carrie janice and i'm happy to be here with my co-host and friend good friend
2: (laughs) mike walsh
3: (laughs) oh carrie do you know what i forgot to do today I promised you cookies and I forgot the cookies (laughs) at home.
1: So we're here in my office space (laughs) that we so (laughs) often like to come to and record. I I enjoy it because it's close to my house and close to yours, do you, Mike? And I was actually looking around the room when we came in and I was like, I don't see a bag (laughs) of cookies with Mike.
3: So I haven't haven't (laughs) seen Carrie since before Christmas and Carrie knows that I'm I'm a baker. Mm -hmm. And I just, and I promised her because as I think we've mentioned on a previous podcast, um, uh, Carrie avoids gluten as part of her diet. Um, mm-hmm. So I made her my uh, two kinds, actually. I even made another batch for her of my chocolate French macaroons and my red velvet yeah. macaroons. And I'm
1: salivating I over was, here. <laughs> I, was so,
3: I was so kind of frazzled because we're also recording this later than we usually do it. We're actually recording at 930 at night. I completely forgot to bring the cookies, and I'm so sorry. It's okay, they're in my they're in my refrigerator. They will keep, me, yeah, but just yeah, gives me a reason to for
1: two weeks. I
3: <laughs> one. I know it gives me a reason to come back. That, All so right, I' we to record another
1: back. podcast this week.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Carrie, this is the first time we've actually been in each other's company in a while. Yeah, it's first time we're recording. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I, we on our last episode I wished for is we could have more in person.s So we're actually together mm-hmm. here in your lair. At the bottom yeah. of Our Lady of <laughs> Peace Parish, um, I'm very excited it's about a it. <laughs> oh, no, it's a lair! <laughs> I've been
1: space here a lot. <laughs> Which doesn't get used too often because of that you now ten-person limit. I'm sure we'll get into that because our young adult meetings and such have changed. Everybody's meetings and life has changed because of this. We know, so it's nice to actually be in a meeting space again. Because uh, usually I typically would be in this room two, three times a week for oh. meetings, and now it's. I haven't been in it for months, so it's cool to be back here with
3: you. It was very clean when I when I came in, so it's obviously you haven't had young people here to, to mess the place up for a <laughs> That's while. That's
1: probably
3: part of it. The um, but it, it is actually great to be in your company again, and we also kind of put this together very quickly, a, a mere few hours ago. We were mm-hmm. talking about uh, episodes to do, and you you said, "Oh, you know, I'm having my uh, young adults meeting today. Why don't Why don't we invite a few on and and we'll chat with them?" So you you pulled that together and. Very excited about yeah, that. Yeah,
1: thank God for these wonderful young people, willing and able.
3: You know, before we actually introduce them, do you want to talk about Acts a little bit? Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, tell me what, what that is.
1: Yeah, so Acts, of course, is a book of the Bible, uh, the book of Acts. And um, that's where our group is named after. Um, but we also have a little acronym for it, Aspiring Christians or Catholics Taking a Stand. And this group started back when I started here at this parish now. Um, well, 12, 12 years ago, 11 years ago? 2009. So that's 11 years? Yeah, something like that. Sure. Yeah, it's hard to do the math. Well, it's 2001,
3: on. 2009, so we're actually 12 years. 12 almost. years. This yeah. June
1: will be 12 years. Yeah. There you go. Um, so started June of 2009. I had just come to the parish and in, in, as a youth minister. And I was here two weeks, and Father Maz like, I think we should really start. Father Maz is my pastor. We should start a young adult group as well, and that made me nervous because I was like a young adult myself at that time. I guess you could say was a young adult, right? Um, I was 26, 27 around there, mm-hmm. and you know now our young adult group actually goes to 28 years old. At the time, it went to 25 years old, 18 to 25 years old. So actually, where I where our group is now and how old I was, I would have been a member of the group looking back, but um, that kind of evo- uh, evolved through the years. So the group started because there was many young adults in our parish, we saw them coming to mass, we wanted to kind of give them a community, not, you know, not just for stopped at high school, but somewhere else to go after and for those that were part of the parish already as young adults to come to grow in their faith. And it started with a meal uh, for the first meeting, a big meal, and an invitation to that meal. And that's how it started. We had about 20, 25 come out for it, and we kind of started off on a kick of let's serve a meal every meeting. And the food will get them, and then, and then after that we'll plan some topics and things and service. Yeah, that faded after like six months. Sorry, guys. Everybody here wasn't a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice to look back on. We had some really good meals, too. Um, but now it, it is just a group with some snacks, prepackaged now. We don't even have unpackaged snacks anymore, nothing homemade. But, um, but, yes, the group started to really form these young adults, and we quickly quickly put into our schedule a retreat that summer which was great, which really solidified that group. It was a lot of core members. Some of them are now um, married. They, they met at the group with kids. Uh, others have been in the seminary. Um, two that were part of the group are now priests, Father uh, Anthony Afanti and Father Josh Nevitt. Uh, three, and Father Peter Galgar, although he wasn't part of the original group. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. So it's amazing to see the fruits of it at this point. Of course, it's evolved and changed over the years. so. Of course, the, the age group has changed from started 18 to 25-year-olds, and now it's 18 to 28-years-old. And honestly, when people turn 29, I don't say, okay, you're kicked out. You know, if you feel comfortable staying, and it's your community, and you're getting something out of it, and it's not weird, then we let you stay. <laughs> um, and that has worked uh, in some cases. And uh, it's really great. And it's great because we have such a strong high school youth group that it gives those students somewhere else to go next. Yeah. And, you know, in light of COVID recently, which is really going to be our whole topic on how these young adults have kind of navigated their faith during these times, uh, I, I've seen um, in light of that, you know, just of them needing this faith and, and having it and having an opportunity for that and having a community that's still consistent in their life. And so, um, you know, it's really, it's really just been a great a great place for these young adults to find their faith. Oh, I know what I'm saying. It gives them also a place to plug into, um, because a lot of in light of COVID, there hasn't been many people going back to college. They've been all remote, we right. mm-hmm. so we've had even more students be able to have an or young adults have an opportunity to connect into their faith because now they're home. There's no other community because it's all online. So yeah. at least they have something. So that has been a great uh, aspect of it, too. But we're going to get into all of that,
3: of well, y- you know, b- before we get too far along, I, I also want to bring up the fact that, um, you know, y- young adults are often, in a lot of ways, they're sort of an at-risk group um, in term- in, from a Catholic perspective. You know, this, that age group is where we find... The drop-off. The, the drop-off. Most of the people mm-hmm. we, we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, we, this, the, the rampant creation of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people mm-hmm. with no affiliation of any kind, who choose just to leave the church. And a lot of that, you know, we've had um, our good friend Jose Rodriguez, who's the head and the director of youth and young adult in the diocese and campus ministry. And, and, you know, in conversations with him, he always says it could be because young people aren't made to feel a part of the church. Like, you get out of grade school, high school, and you're sort of left to your own devices, Mm -hmm. and you're not... you, it's hard to really interact with the traditional church who are usually much older people right. and you, unlike you who I'm sure other places actually kick them out when they, you know, they're <laughs> they of age um, you know I think that, that that lack of sense of community and the fact that there are just so many, pe- so many things coming at people that age yeah. that you know you talked about how they need to be grounded uh, or be offered a place where they feel grounded you know so these kinds of opportunities really need to exist yeah. in every parish
1: yeah. Yeah, the a couple episodes ago we had on uh, Rebecca and Ellie talking mm-hmm. about Newman Centers and they offer it great on the college campus but, you know, needing it also back at the parish level and, you know, we'll get into how some of these young adults come from all different parishes. You'll hear when they share where they're from because there isn't something close by maybe for them so they're, they're willing to come. We've gotten people as far as Pennsylvania and Delaware coming to our group because of them not having anything. So I'm thankful wow. that we we're able to offer it here and that people can come and feel you know, welcomed and a part of it, so
3: that's really it's been wonderful. great for us. So, Carrie, who is with us?
1: Yeah, so I'm talking about them. So we have a, a nice crowd of young adults, so I'm gonna let them each introduce themselves.
4: Um, hi, I'm Theo Delury. I'm a seminarian for the Diocese of Camden. I'm a First College seminarian, and um, I go to St. Peter's Parish in Merchantville.
5: Hi, I'm Yane Nunez. I'm a part of St. Clair of Assisi Parish, and I've been an ACTS member for a few months now.
0: Hi, everybody. My name is Kimberly Passies. I am uh, a parishioner at Our Lady of Peace Parish, and I just live right around the corner from here, so <laughs> I don't come from far.
2: <laughs> Hi, my name is Morton DeWory. I am a member of St. Peter's Parish, and I've been part of ACTS for actually about a year now. The ACTS retreat was the first acts thing i went to and that was last january
1: Nice, and uh, theo one of our seminarians and martin our brothers you might have picked up on that from their last name being similar so uh, nice to have a group of brothers and, and your two sisters who are older than you were a part of this group as well so it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting to see your whole family come through the program
3: so you know carrie kind of mentioned it early on about how um A lot of people come from far and wide. So I'm kind of curious. I guess this may be less of a question for Kim. who who, She can
0: throw a stone to her house. I really (laughs) can.
3: (laughs) So I I guess um, maybe for the folks who come a little further, you know, what A, how did you find out about this place? And B, like what intrigued you to to come to it? Whomever. Yeah, Theo.
4: So um, it was actually a... uh, Hey, home, So I'm homeschooled, well, I was homeschooled through high school, and uh, another homeschooled friend and family, they came here, they're the Roonies, and um, their son, Jason Rooney, and his siblings also, just like my siblings, they went through the whole JP2, which is the high school youth group, and he was. he's also an AXE member, and um, he pretty much introduced us to Carrie and to OLAP and everyone here, and uh, since then, I've been part of it. Um, my brother's been part of it also, my sister's been part of it, and... We live out in, uh, we live out in Medford, and uh, we just, we made the trip because it was worth it. It was really worth the trip to come here to be part of youth group. We were never part of youth group back in, um, in North Carolina where I was from, where I was there before in New Jersey. And also in Iowa, we were never part of a, even, you know, a, you know, Jesus Fish type youth group either, which is, you know, the, the grade school youth group here at and, uh I think that's what really kept us going here is because we learned so much from him. we grew uh, made friends here. So that's how, that's how honestly, I kept coming here and that's why I keep coming back.
5: Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's definitely been a little bit different, um, an interesting way, actually. At the beginning of COVID and quarantine, my best friend and I made sort of like a promise to each other. We're taking this time to grow much more in our faith and I just started seeking different ways and doing that. And so one of the ways was heading to Facebook. And I'm part of a, a pro, not program, it's like a group, a social media group. known as Blessed as She for Young Women. And I'm a part of the Eastern Coast uh, group. And I, I usually don't post a lot, um, but I guess I just felt something that day. And I posted on a forum and I was like, hey, does anyone know of any young adult Catholic groups in order to grow much more in my faith? Um, because I needed that Catholic-centered um, group. And I got so many replies back um, But there was one person specific, uh, very nice. She said, I'll connect you to my youth minister, which is Carrie. And I was like, okay. And she connected me. And it was just so welcoming and caring. And I just, you know, I felt good. So I headed to Acts that night. It was back in October. It was a holy hour, just like we had tonight. And um, everyone was just so welcoming and with open arms. And I just felt that, you know, I felt God's love. And uh, I've been, been coming consistently ever since. So I'm very blessed to grow in my faith here and, the rest is history.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's wonderful here. So, so Kim as the someone who didn't have to travel <laughs> that much, you know, I'm kind of curious, you know, what what drew you into what was this was this you sort of were advancing in age and you went up through the groups or did you ser- search out acts sort of independently?
0: Yeah, no. Um I actually started in high school as well in the GP2 youth group. Um as I was uh, entering RCIT, um, getting my sacraments uh, for confirmation and that's where Carrie got me hooked into <laughs> the youth group life and I was one of the 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 young people that kind of grew up with youth group and grew up into acts um, kind of graduating from high school to uh, college life and still being a part of acts um, so I didn't really have to look too far it was always here for me um, which uh, I guess made it really easy for me. (laughs) So very grateful and blessed for that.
3: That's wonderful. That's excellent.
2: Um, so, like my brother Theo said, uh, my sisters were involved with it, and Theo was involved with it. So uh, I started going to the youth groups, um, and I've told Carrie this before. Like, I used to really not like going. My mom would always be like, Norton, you should really go. It would be good for you. And now that I look back at, look back on it, honestly— it was almost like, you know, Jesus, like, just calling me, like, you know, you, this would be really good for you, and, uh, eventually, I think it was the 2019 retreat, uh, JP2 had, that's where I really opened up, I got to know a lot of people, and it's not just the people, but, like, before Carrie had her kid, she really made everyone at, um, youth group, like, her kid like she wanted you to succeed but not like you know maybe your mother wants you to succeed in like school she wanted you to succeed in uh, your faith so uh, that's one reason why I kept coming back and then uh, after high school uh, Acts was just like the next thing up and not just the next thing up I really needed that you know thing to go to to help me stay in my faith so that's why I continue going to Acts so yeah
1: no, uh, Martin. Even though I've had my child, I still want that for you.
2: Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Yeah, thank <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I
1: want it for you too, John Paul. My yeah. son, but I want it for everyone's field today. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Oh, wait, wait. I'm confused. You want all these people to be your kids? <laughs> no. Oh,
1: okay. I mean, my spiritual children. <laughs> there you go. They watch them grow in their faith. You get a right.
2: lot of tax write-offs if we were your, yeah, your uh, kids too. <laughs> i have so much
1: COVID relief tax right now. Tax. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
4: Oh,
1: That's, too bad. That's not the case. So.
3: So, Carrie, I mean, you know, hearing these stories about what people draw in and, and thinking back to how you how you began it. I, I have to imagine then when COVID hit um, in mm-hmm. March. Um, now, anyone who's listened to prior podcasts knows that you're the hardest working person in the diocese. Oh, and tar- well, a, a consummate hustler. And I use that word uh, in the best way that you hustle at everything. You're you're, you're the you're the, you know, Energizer Bunny when it comes to stuff like that but you know what were your what were your fears and what were your motivations for for keeping everything going when everything shut down
1: yeah that i look back on that time and i pray please god don't ever let it happen again and we've been able to navigate it well um to not you know to stay within restriction limits and still keep going at this point in person but when the shutdown happened and we had to go remote you know, That's as for everybody, it was a lot of questions. How are we going to make this happen? How are we going to make this work? I had never done, I, I did like one or two Zooms with our friend Donna Taviana Britt. Of <laughs> course. I, I didn't know what the word Zoom meant before that, other than a TV show from like the 90s or something. <laughs> but um, then I finally, you know, all right, there's ways that we can make this work on here and things we could do. It was not the best, I will say. Um, there are young adults and even youth group members who just, they don't like it on Um, remotely, they just rather be in person and they won't do it all together. And then there's others that were very consistent and then there's others that were here and there. And then there was others that just came on out of the blue when we would have our meetings. But my key with, and my motivation with all of our ministries, young adults included, was to keep it consistent. So we met Monday nights, seven to nine in person, pre COVID, pre March. And we continued to meet Monday nights, seven to nine On Zoom, the first week the pandemic hit, we moved to Zoom, and that was it. There was no, like, this meetings canceled, we're not going to have it. We just moved everything over, we set up regular meetings, and we kind of tied in the aspects that we would have at a meeting as much as we could on Zoom. So our meetings always start with the rosary, so we would pray the rosary together and have each person lead a decade, different people from the group. So it was able to make it work to to a certain degree, as everything with uh, COVID in light of it. You know, wasn't the same, but it it made it work and kept it going. My fears were, who are we gonna, How many are we going to lose? Are we going to lose anybody? But actually, the thing that COVID did for us, you know, kind of going past the lockdown into June, then when, we, when the restrictions were li- uh, lifted and we were able to meet in person, it actually grew our group stronger. We came back with many more young adults than ever. People inviting people that were, you know, just craving community Um, of course at that point college and everything was out so they weren't going back to their schools at that point they had a good three months of summer and and our group was actually the strongest one of the strongest points I've ever seen it back in June through the summer Um, and it you know continues to be strong in different ways Um, that has changed a little bit but I think overall it it did a lot of good for our group and a lot of um, you know when you don't have something and then you have it again you're like wow I'm really thankful for this
3: how long typically how long are your zoom meetings i mean you, the acts meetings in general
1: usually two hours seven to nine time frame sometimes it goes a little bit over with the conversation or discussion um and then I'll, often afterwards people hang out till about 10 o'clock just talking chatting when our meetings were outside especially people hanging out in the parking lot we would have a bonfire a lot of times with our outdoor meetings so having the the meetings um it would be outside and allowed for more people to hang out as long as they wanted because I could be like, all right, guys, I'm leaving. I don't have to lock anything up. <laughs> I'll see you later. And people would still be in the parking lot talking. But when they're indoor meetings, you know, it's, I'm like, all right, I'm locking up, guys. I'm shutting the lights. You know, that's usually about 10 o'clock. But 7 to 9 is the time frame for the meeting time.
3: Which is why it's currently 9.50 yeah. podcast, <laughs> so that's probably kind of you.
1: Yeah, and uh, Mike's like, um, when I asked you about this, are, are they going to want to stay? Yeah, they're young adults. They're up late. <laughs> <laughs> like, they I don't care. Well, now I'm
3: even more amazed when I find out just how far they're coming from. I mean, yeah. that's amazing that, yeah. that you have so many people coming from so far away to be a part of this. I, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, there's some.
1: One of the girls wanted to stay for this too. She's from Mount Laurel. That's even a little further. Really? You know, just but she has to work in the morning, so she couldn't make it.
3: Well, I'm glad that we have these these guys here. Yeah. So you know, Theo, you know, you talked about how you wanted to keep your faith sort of a central part of your life, and that's why these the, the acts sort of worked for you. But like when you come here, like. Like when you walk through the door, what is it that you first think when you see everybody again?
4: It definitely um first thing that comes to mind is just like just friendship and just being able to see familiar faces. Um, I know during the summer when we didn't have it, I was I hate to say this, I was one of the people that just didn't do the Zoom thing. I didn't like it, I didn't prefer it at the time and I admit, it was a part of my time, my faith where I was very much like uh, this is a hard thing to keep up. This is a hard thing to practice right now, even though I need it. Like this is the time where you need it the most. But actually it was that thing that I could speak my voice, I could get my opinion. I could pray. I could pray with community. And so being able to come back to that was it was great. I saw familiar faces. I was able to hear from people, hear from those friends I hadn't seen for so long. And also hear that they are going the same thing I was going through. Yes, it's kind of given that we we're all going through, you know, the same thing. But to really hear it from someone, to hear that from a friend, was a lot better. So when I come back, especially on these breaks from from the seminary, it's great to. Uh, this is probably like the second, third time I've been back, you know, to act since the break. So it was great to, you know, get as much as I can in, and just to see new faces from, and familiar faces, honestly.
3: I think that's a great indictment of how great Acts is. Is the fact that a seminarian who spends all of his time in seminary <laughs> focused on his faith comes back to this when he has the opportunity. Yeah,
1: we've had actually the seminarians are great because they'll they'll start talking about it to their other brother seminarians mm-hmm. and start bringing them. That's how many of them came to our group. Um, I think Peter actually be one of them because of excuse me, Father Peter because of Father Josh Nevitt, uh inviting him and a few others. We have a couple of seminarians from our parish here that have invited their brother seminarians. It's been amazing to see that happen and then invite them, especially to our retreats. They really do. We always let seminarians come for free on our retreats, so that's always a nice <laughs> enticement. Although the, the catches they have to serve for all the holy hours and mass and such, but they're great about it. I mean, that's what they do. That's what they're training for. But Exactly. It, is, it, is, it does speak to a nice testament for our group.
3: That's, that, you know, that's another thing that's good to hear. Yeah, I love the fact that you, how many seminarians have come through now? Uh, Roughly.
1: Uh, Including those
3: that... that, uh, Okay, I didn't
1: know which way you were going. No, no, listen, you know, Uh, people are... Over over 10.
3: (laughs) Okay, over 10. People are so... Get so hung up on this thing about... We, we talked if you about this.
1: The diocese, on, I don't know no, we, we, we talked Listen, we talk
3: about this uh, on several podcasts now. That when when people decide to, to either leave seminary or leave um, the convent or something like that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Now that was part that of
1: the sermon. Yeah. There
3: wasn't their their calling of it. And every I talked when I would talk to Father Romano, our previous vocations director, about this. You know, he said, "Yeah, you know, obviously it made him sad, but he said I always knew that there was a Catholic gentleman going yes, out into the world." It's very,
1: and very true. Very true. You have
3: produced a lot of great Catholic gentlemen and a lot of great Catholic women along the way, and I, I, I mm-hmm. just I think that's impressive that a group like this that's been around for, what did we say, 12 years? I
1: think that's what <laughs> t- t- twelve <laughs> Almost
3: 12 years. Just
1: June, 12 years. Yeah.
3: Has produced 10 seminarians, yes. and just out of curiosity, any women religious, or at least discerning? Uh, one
1: is in the Dominicans, um, Sister Lillianne, um, formerly known as Nina Camioni. Mm-hmm. She's uh, there now in her uh, second year, I believe, uh, maybe somewhere around there. And then we have one uh, in, in serious discernment. She left for a little while. One is in the Dominicans, um, Sister Lillianne, um, formerly known as Nina Camione. She's uh, there now in her uh, second year, I believe, uh, maybe. somewhere around there. And then we have one uh, in, in serious discernment. She left for a little while, um, but she's going to be going back in very soon. And others Around this table, <laughs> <sermon. laughs> we well, speak that- openly about it. I know, Kim, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and several others too. That um, it's on their heart. So yeah, it's 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 not just uh, the men going into the priesthood; it's religious women as well. It's beautiful. Yeah.
3: So, Kim, I mean, you're someone who's in this discernment process. I mean, mm-hmm. did did your youth group and and then your the Acts group sort of support that? Is that something that kind of like helped? Pave the way, you might say.
0: Yes, um, definitely, one hundred percent. Because before, um, before my little reversion into the Catholic faith, you know, I didn't have my faith um, altogether. Always been Catholic, but because of going to youth group, those seeds were planted for so many years, um, and it really um, took time for them to unfold and grow. Um, but because I had like that this foundation. And this continuous nourishment from being in a community of young faithful Catholics, I'm able to discern like confidently um, in my faith. Yeah, I
3: love
1: that. Beautiful. <laughs> I love that too. <laughs> I know, I
3: know, I know, if I had a heart, that would give me chills. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Hey, um. Sitting next
1: to the sheet, yeah. <laughs> It's going to grow through time by the time this it's podcast right? is
3: over. No, it's <laughs> not. And, uh, the, uh, so Kim, uh, you know, just just a you know, sort of go back with you. I mean, your discernment process probably, you know, I'm su- assuming involves a lot of spiritual focus, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we've talked about how this sort of laid the groundwork for you. And Theo, you kind of mentioned this as well. Like, so you're, you're away, you're home from studies for, you know, a few weeks and you go out of your way to, to come back to here. Is it because I'm just curious, is it because of the, the communal aspect? Or is it because of, it's a slightly different spiritual focus than you would be going through in your other discernments? And both of you can answer that.
0: You first, Theo. <laughs> <laughs>
4: so for me, it's actually, so I think it's different coming back. So coming back, I go here because, honestly, because of that communal aspect, but because it's a community of prayer and of faith because that's why I'm coming back from. I'm coming back, you know, I'm going back to a community of prayer and a community of faith. So that's why I needed it so often and so much, I think. So that's why I come back now, definitely.
0: Yeah, I definitely, um, the community of Acts and our, our parish um, that it provides um, is really like what helps keep me grounded as I continue to live in the world. Um, I have this safe place, like, that that I can go to, uh, I'm no I know I'm secure in it because um, it's here for me, um, and it's always been here for me for years. Um, and as as Acts continues to grow, um, I, I've been coming since I, I I was in high school. Like I said, in our youth groups and now in Acts, and we're still growing and we're still um, transforming and changing. And it's always different and especially with covid now it's just a completely new i don't even know what it is like it's just incredible what the lord is doing with Mm -hmm. our young adult group um i'm so amazed by it so it's it's an ever-evolving like gift i I would say um that i i know i just can't miss out on it while i'm here so
1: so true yeah and you know just to kind of comment a little further on the discernment and what acts does i think you know, the spiritual aspects that it offers um, with, especially the connection to our pastor, Father Mas and even our other associate priests. But priests. but he offers um, and they offer spiritual direction to many of the young adults. And I think that's a key part of the sermon is having a spiritual director. Let it be somebody at your parish or at, you know, at the group that you're attending. But that spiritual direction one-on-one with our priests have really helped form them. And a lot of that starts on our retreat weekends. We have them twice a year once in January and once in July. Um, this one will be slightly different. We won't be going away anywhere. We're just gonna have it at the parish um, in an evening retreat. But uh, the what, what during those retreats, you know, the priests that are there, let it be Father Maz or another one, we've had others through the year. We've mentioned Father Michael Romano. He's been there for some of our retreats and uh, Father Peter Gallagher, Father Josh Nevin and a few others through the years have offered their services as the priests there. And it's such a weekend away that allows for a lot of time to to be able to have this one-on-one time with a priest and talk to them, let it be in confession, in the context of confession, or just, Father, I would like to talk to you about a few things, or I'm thinking of the priesthood, or whatever conversation comes up on their hearts over that weekend. So it's like the right time, the right place, the right moment, because their hearts are open, it's a retreat, so many things are happening there, and then there's the availability of the priest and then just kind of spills over from there. Okay, well when you come back, let's set up some time to talk more about this or you know when we get back from the retreat. So, it allows for that and that's where I think we've seen the fruits come because of those moments, because of those opportunities that would not take place if you don't have a group because if you don't have a group, who are you going to take on retreat mm-hmm. with you? You know? So, that's true. it's all part of it. You know, it's all part of that Year-in, year-out scheduling, and again, now in light of COVID, making it consistent, making it keep happen, allowing it, working within the regulations to make it happen so that we don't lose that and, mm-hmm. and don't lose the souls, really.
3: And you know, I don't think I've ever been on a retreat like that to think of it, oh, you'll that's... be a
1: guest speaker in the next one. <laughs> oh,
3: that sounds like a terrible idea. Um, does sarcasm work in spiritual retreat?
1: I told you, okay. you're a <laughs> lot like my husband in that. I think that's why we get along. Probably, okay. probably right. uh, They all they all love him for his sarcasm. That's for sure.
3: <laughs> that's because you can't have two people. That's no, problem. yeah. Well,
1: he doesn't come anymore work because of John Paul. So, oh, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah.
3: The uh, so Ianni. So you're sort of the the new person in this at this table anyway. Uh, yeah. In terms of of acts and. And you mentioned something earlier, which was a connection to another spiritual group that, that you were a part of. Um, and the question I have for you is: As a young person, um, you know, how have you been able to stay focused and fixated on your spirituality in a culture that, the, the the American culture, where it seems like everything is trying to draw us away from our
5: faith. Definitely. Um, As a recent graduate from college, that was definitely a common theme that I saw in university. It was very hard to come across individuals that were definitely rooted in their faith or you know, to be openly so open about it. And that's why I appreciate about Acts so much that you come into the room and you talk about God's love and it's a normality as it should be. Um, You know, but in this world today, sometimes that's not the Feeling that you get from others, um, in terms of my faith, how I stay rooted in Christ, um, from coming from coming to Acts, um, and just being more vocal about God's love, I feel like that's helped me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I speak about His love, and you know, the Blessed Virgin Mary, those things keep me always fixated on Him and always remind myself of all the things that He's done for me, um, despite the you know, the life we've had this past year and the world that we live in today. You know, just keep those reminders to myself and keep praying and pray without season, definitely. Wow.
2: See,
3: I, I like that. <laughs> See this is the heart is growing. No. No. But, but this is this is what's so frustrating about being a friend of Carrie's, is that not only is she like that, but she draws these other people in into her web that are very similar. So you know I know we've talked a lot about the sort of the, the essence of acts and stuff like that. Now I'm going to ask you to pretend that Carrie's not here listening to you right now. <laughs> in terms of having a leader like who can find like so what is it about what Carrie does that has been do you think it makes acts different than maybe something else you've been a part of in the past? you know?
1: See, nobody wants the answer. <laughs> We're good.
3: Moving like, on. Well, no, it's, it's important, though, because, you know, I think a lot of times we put together... Fine, then I'll, I'll say it myself then. <laughs> um, I, think, I think a lot of times we talk about how there are these programs you can do, thinking that the program will do the job. But the reality is the program has to be led by people who really embrace it and then can really communicate it. Um, and that's why I think Carrie deserves a lot of credit, not just for being an energizer bunny in terms of everything she does, um, but also the fact that something about what she's doing seems to really resonate with a lot of people. I mean, ten seminarians and, what, two, three, three um, uh, women religious, people discerning women, uh, life as a woman religious. I mean, that's no small thing. I, I'm not sure that I'm aware of Anything like that in any of my past groups, so more specifically then uh, and please feel free to embarrass carrie uh, <laughs> kim is is there anything about what Carrie does that particularly resonates with young people
0: yeah i I definitely um know the answer to this <laughs> I, I, there's many answers, but for me she she never gives up on anybody um, and it's very she's very um one on one with every single person that comes through, no matter what age, um, from the the really young uh, kids in elementary school to the young adults. Um, like I, I've been to like uh, faithful programs that are, you know, they they'll help you uh, grow in your faith and whatnot. But they're programs, and they feel like programs. Everyone's kind of on the same level, and all the people that lead it are helping everyone kind of like at, on the same level. But Carrie really, I feel like she caters to every single person that she meets because we're all in different walks of life, especially the young adults. Um, and she she just never gives up on them um, uh, on like a very personal level and also just sending out reminders and texts. She is a workhorse and that really, it it brings people in, like you just can't say no to that. <laughs> you, you see the hard work and um, I myself personally have been touched by Carrie in my life and a lot of people have been, I think all the young adults in this room can agree to that. Um, and it's just so special, like you're special, you feel special um, because of the, the gift that she has um, and you don't see that everywhere. You're welcome, a lot you're welcome, boss.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know those type of people that you meet and you feel like you've known them like your whole life like that's the type of person that Carrie is, and I actually met her just probably three months ago. Yeah, I want to say Carrie, yeah. and um, one of my favorite things to say always is to live your life in a way that God's love shines through you, and that's definitely Carrie like I bet like if a random stranger sees Carrie out in public, they're like, "Wow, you know that's God right there and um, she's just so welcoming and I don't think she knows how much it means to me to be a part of AXE so thank you Carrie <laughs> thank
1: you <laughs> so great having you be a part of
2: this group. Yeah. No, I was going to say, in college, we do discussion boards. And one of them was about, like, how, like, weight programs. These are just programs, and people just follow them. But, like, after a couple months, they just follow that same thing. How it relates to what Carrie does is, like, she doesn't follow the program. She, like, switches it up. And I think that's how she gets, like, a strong group is because she's not, like, doing the same thing every week like uh my own parish and not like to call them out or anything but like sometimes you know like some of the groups like they've gone through numerous like amounts of youth group ministers and I'm, I'm once again not calling them out but it's like it's felt more like a program than like Carrie does more of like what do we need to do this week that would you know help these kids versus like okay we did it last week so it might work this week let's do that again and uh like Kim said I think Carrie really makes it feel like you know you're individual like if I knew if I brought like 10 new kids she would meet every single one of them and make them feel welcome that's the type of person Carrie is so yeah thank you Martin
1: beautiful
3: this is not changing my opinion <laughs> right but but Carrie, I mean, so just how, how how long did it take you to cultivate this perfection of yours in terms? Of, I'm saying so to, to the listeners. I mean, I'm having I'm taking a couple of digs at Carrie, but the truth of the matter is, is you know, I've worked with a lot of parishes throughout the diocese and the region, for that matter, and the thing that troubles me is that. Oftentimes, I run across—not oftentimes, but there have been times when I've run across youth ministers who kind of look at their job as a job, and I think that does a disservice to to the young people who are their charges. So, Carrie, how do you keep? How how are you capable of avoiding the job and, mm. and having this be something more than that?
1: Well, I think the first and foremost thing is that I don't. I never looked at it as a job, um, and probably God helped that along the way because I always had a second job as in my business, mm-hmm. and my other talents lying there, so I always looked at that as the job, and then this is like my vocation, and it's nice to get a paycheck, it's nice to have um, a, you know, a steady income from it, and also health insurance and all those things are great, <laughs> and they're needed in life, uh, but it's a vocation, and that's the way I looked at it always from day one. I think that's because um, it, it definitely was a calling, because uh, I never went to college for it and studied theology. I, I wish I did, but I think in many ways the different programs and things I've been a part of um, have helped me really form my theology very grounded in solid Catholic teaching. So I don't worry too much about that. But it's nice, you know, it would have been nice to have a degree on paper, but that's not the way the route God called me to. And he he called me to be here in this part of my life over the last. Well, I've been a youth minister now 14 years, but 12 years here at this parish, and um, I think that's the first thing. The second thing is just doing what God asks you to do, and and if that means changing a program because the world has changed since March, then that means doing that. If that means changing something because the young people are asking you to do that, you know, I just said tonight to our group, we didn't always start our young adult group acts with the rosary. Uh, that started about 10 years ago now, but it's because a young adult said, we should pray the rosary at the beginning of every group, and I said, you know what, we should, And hearing the voices and then listening and then acting upon it, Martin touched on that a lot, I think. And that that makes it not only their own, but also, you know, you're going with the Spirit, you're going with the Holy Spirit, you're going with God's, you know, kind of the way He's steering it. He's steering your boat, and you're kind of just like, all right, I'm going to follow the course of this wind now because it's taking me this way or that way. And I would also, you know, be remiss if I didn't mention that the the biggest, you know, captain behind our ship is not really me, but our pastor, Father Math, who has wholeheartedly supported it, and from day one has asked for it. He said, you know, I think we should start a young adult group that came from him, and he really supports it, being present at it, giving it the funding needed, because that's always a big holdup in parishes. Um, Even having a youth minister full-time, the thing changes it from a part-time position to full-time really changes the way people are able to kind of go all in. And me being full-time from day one, has been a, a big part of that to be able to go all in. And and you know, it was always a for many years of my ministry, I it was always as Martin mentioned, they were all my kids and I didn't have any of my own and so I was could dedicate everything to it. And then once my son came along, I was like, how is this going to change the dynamic? But honestly, it really hasn't. God has allowed even more ways to bring joy through him. He's been on many of the retreats as a baby. There's pictures of him, you know, with all the kids holding him and everything else. <laughs> And now even, you know, just people asking about him and, you know, having a relationship, you know, with my family and my husband as well, it's become like a, a family vocation for us too. You know, even the fact that and I know, Mike, you go through this too, but like we are here at 10 o'clock on a Monday night and it's like our, our spouses are at home, but my husband has learned flexibility with that as I'm sure Jennifer has too for you. And it's been, you know, a blessing in our marriage to be able to have that flexibility in our marriage and, and know like, yeah, you know, this is what you're called to do right now because it's a good service to the church and I respect that and obviously, you know, I obviously understand that as my husband would and does. So, and finding that balance in that too, when he says, no, I need you home tonight, you can't do it and and doing that too. So I think that's all really part of it and and it just has come together so beautifully here. And I always say this, you know, just about one year ago now was my first uh, Talking Catholic (laughs) Youth Ministry Insights episode, uh, which you can find on the Talking Catholic YouTube with the many other great uh, episodes and, and series. But I really focus on youth ministry in my series. And the very first episode, I said, you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have a prayer life yourself, if you aren't into your faith yourself, if you aren't frequenting the sacraments yourself, you aren't gonna be able to give that joy to other people. And one of my favorite saints is Mother Teresa, and she really reflects on this often, about your prayer life first, and then your work second. And, the, and it follows in that way. And I notice in my own life, if my prayer life's off, my work, you know, my way to minister to others is off too. So I always try to keep that in check. And, and those are, you know, those are just the ways that God has used all of this to make it beautiful and fruitful. And, and, you know, you know, if something is good by its fruits and if the fruits are good, seminarians and great holy married couples and just people on fire and young people on fire in their faith coming to church, then, you know, it's a good thing. And we keep it going, COVID or not.
3: <laughs> well, that, that I agree with completely. You know, as we're talking about, we have several young people here, and it got me to thinking while you you were talking, you know, you are talking about fixating on your prayer life first, your spiritual Mm -hmm. life first. Just out of curiosity, as part of your daily lives, and we'll go around the table on this, Uh, so Theo, you you and Kim are in slightly different areas, and you're both discerning, but, um, like, what do you do in your daily life to focus on your spirituality?
4: So uh, uh, a lot of what we do, I guess, I'll say first as a seminarian, just like what we do there at the seminary is, uh, we do um, a lot of the Liturgy of the Hours, which is in the breviary. We do a lot of um, different hours of the day, which is, consists of psalms and consists of chanting. It, nothing like the monastery or anything like that, but uh, it's something that a priest does and he's required to do. And um, I, I do my best to do morning prayer and uh, night prayer, and evening prayer and night prayer. And that's um, honestly a great way that I like starting my day, ending my day with God. Um, another thing that I do, and also my brother will probably hand on it also, is that um, we pray the family rosary quite a bit, um, at least once, a, once every night. I mean, every night we just try to do it. Um, I know my parents are very big in it, and if, say, I go to bed for whatever reason, um, they will always, I know my mom will always get that rosary in and she always always offers it for our family and so um that's something that i do every day uh i try to go to mass if i can cause that's also something we do in the seminary you know we go to mass every morning we have a chapel there but if i can't go to mass you know it's i try to just do the best i can honestly right now the circumstances that it's in it's it's tough and i'm gonna admit it, it's tough to individually have that discipline to Keep up that prayer life. To try to do three hours of the liturgy of the hours, which is like 20 minutes a day of a specific prayer, along with the rosary. It doesn't sound like much, which really it isn't, but it's it's tough sometimes to force yourself to do it. But for God, always for God, and for um, the greater discipline that you're going to get, and the graces you're going to receive. Honestly, course,
3: you're saying that by literally hugging your breviary. Yes, right <laughs> as my as my mic stand. Yes.
2: <laughs>
3: so long so as you're bringing it with you, you're that much closer to reading it. Yeah.
4: yeah.
5: Um, For me, uh, throughout the week, definitely going to mass as much as I can, not only on Sundays. Um, uh, Also, constant meditation every day. Something I've been working on lately is silent meditation, which is something very brand new to me, but it's something that has really opened up my spiritual life in a different way. Um, I also pray the rosary every day with my little sister. Um, It's something that's definitely helped us both stay connected and rooted to our faith, but also give that appreciation to Mary, which I think is so important. Um, And also I try to connect with friends and family and tell them like, hey, you wanna pray the rosary with me? And if they're open to it, um, I actually connected with Theo not too long ago, (laughs) a few weeks ago and we prayed the rosary together, which I think is awesome.
0: Um, But yeah, always trying to keep my eyes fixated on him. Um, For me, since I am um, discerning religious life, I, It's really been so important for me to stay close to the sacraments, so I really make it a priority to go to daily mass, and I'm able to, so I go, Mm -hmm. and um, also making a daily holy hour. Thank God our chapel is always open, Um, which is such a gift. I know not all parishes have that, so I'm able to go there and um, be with Jesus uh, face to face every day. I make it a priority, um, definitely those two things, and also praying the rosary every day. Um, I pray it by myself or I pray it with my mom, but I have to pray it every day, and since I do go to Mass every day, I hear um, our Pastor Father Maz's homilies pretty much every day, and if, if if you know, you'll know you really should be praying the rosary every day, so um, it's really been just part of my daily rhythm to do those things. Um, and if I can, also the liturgy of the hours um, um, throughout the day. But definitely, those things keep are essential to my everyday life.
2: Mark? Uh, mine would be probably uh, like right when I get up. I mean, this like I will just start praying my like Hail Marys for certain people. My Father Maz carries actually in uh, my Hail Marys oh, too. Yeah, but. Um, and then, like, I used to, and I say used to because I think like right when the pandemic hit, I like didn't read the Bible as much. I don't really know why. It might be because I was like already in my room a lot because of the pandemic, you know, trying to get away from your family. I think we can all all resonate with that. So, like, you know, I I don't know. I just uh, stopped doing that. But that's uh, like try to read the Bible. We have uh, Saint Mary's of the Lakes right by us, so I would uh, sometimes go to adoration. Uh, which is just honestly the most peaceful thing during these times. And then, like, my brother Theo said, um, do the rosary because it's, like, super important. We just had an Acts meeting tonight about, uh, like, the importance of the rosary. And I forgot to say it, but, like, our pastor, Father Tim, said, like, that really was eye-opening. He was like, wars don't start, like, between politicians or between countries. But it's, like, within families, you don't pray together who don't connect and that's why the rosary is so important and like theo said my mom like even if we all go to bed i will i know like if i come out and eat at 12 later she'll be having the rosary in her hand just praying so um i try to at least do that with my family and uh honestly just like whenever i'm getting frustrated even just pray in my mind so yeah
3: Carrie, what is your prayer life? Oh. <laughs>
1: um, well, similar in many ways to the young adults. Uh, rosary has been an important part of my life since I was a young adult. I think I spoke on that um the previous podcast. But I grew a devotion in my young adult years, college years to it, and continued it, made a promise to Mary to, to pray the rosary every day, or at least try to. And I, I like to think I kept pretty much that promise as much as I can. And then... Um, I have different little prayer routines throughout the day. Um, recently, I've been praying Psalm 91 as a as a prayer of focus in this uh, these crazy times of COVID, and it's a really it's a great prayer of peace and and really God's promises in times of difficulty, and that has been giving me a lot of peace. So I pray that often throughout the day. Actually, I try to pray it seven times a day. So. It's oh a long psalm, but I haven't memorized, so I could do it. I have a little rule with myself that I can't uh, listen to music in my car unless I prayed my rosary or do, have said my psalm 91. So I really haven't listened to much music. I don't know why I pray for Sirius XM radio, because I'm not <laughs> it. I It's like it's a waste of money at this point, because I'm not going far hardly unless I'm visiting family in North Jersey. So, like, back and forth to the church all the time, which is like seven minutes each way. So, it's not far. So um, that rule has applied a lot in my life recently. Uh, But, uh, yeah, and then different prayer routines. We try to do a family rosary as much as possible. And um, I have a lot of different other prayer routines. I try to do daily mass. I have, I used to go about five days a week daily mass, excuse me, four days a week daily mass. I I always skip one Monday through Friday, and I never went Saturdays because I used to be working a lot on Saturdays, my other job. But now I have, like, a little rule of thumb, and it has to be at least two weekday masses because it's a little hard with my son uh, since having him, I've had to adapt my, my own personal prayer life in other ways. So praying with him, praying as a family. Um,
3: Although and, that's, a, that's a good thing to, to, to realize is that as you evolve as a person, your yes. prayer life may have to change yes. for, for logistical hard. reasons. You know, It was, it
1: was a, hard, um, a hard thing for me to realize and come to terms with, but I, I'm at peace with it now. Like I get it. Like, my vocation is to my family, and there's other ways I need to pray. And then I seek out like evening masses because it's a little easier to go to them. So, um, you know, when they're available here or anywhere else, I try to catch them. And, of course, I live stream all of our masses, so I end up going to three over the weekend, so I make up for it there. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's been, it's, you know, that's, that's a little glimpse of my prayer life. There's, you know, different things here and there that I'm not catching, but that's a glimpse
3: no that's good it, how about your
1: prayer life mike hey carrie you know it's,
3: it, we're, we got three minutes left I, yeah. it would take too long to, to get into that <laughs> whole <three minutes. laughs> um, i say I, I will admit that i, I say I, I have a terrible prayer life sorry listeners you may find it hard to believe <laughs> that, <yeah>. that <laughs> an that I, I, my prayer life is awful I, I, my prayer life basically consists of like most catholics i there's a thank you prayer to god there's a Please, God, help me with this. these happen daily. And then each evening I pray over my son, my wife, and our former foster child um, uh, before I go to bed every night. So, I mean, that's kind of it. But but it mostly has to do with the fact that I have a terrible memory and I can't actually remember any prayers, as we've Mm -hmm. talked on this podcast before, which Mm -hmm. is why when a priest gives me... Five hail Marys and five Our Fathers at the end of confession. It's like, well, I'm going to be here an hour. <laughs> I can't remember any of these, so we'll see. Oh, you got. But um, but anyway, but I want to thank all of you for being on the podcast yes, today. It's it's, great. It was it was really wonderful. It was actually great for me to see another insight into Carrie. As to how her <laughs> her cult forms, <laughs> As, uh, this is, but uh, but the truth of the matter is, I mean, you know, I, I do think, and this is a danger, and I, but I think it's a, it's a danger that Carrie realizes that it is possible to people start following a person for the person or becoming a part of something for the person and not for the larger entity that is our faith and, and God and Jesus and, and why we're here on this earth living his mission so I, I have to give Carrie a lot of credit in that regard as well is that she actually hasn't created a cult she's created an organization of people who Come together with a like-minded thing, but I think if
1: and love the Lord, you know, yeah, that's what it's about. Loving the Lord,
3: I, I very much would like to think that if tomorrow Carrie gets hit by a bus, this these these different groups you've created will, will continue on.
1: <laughs> I, I think so, you know, and in, and again, if it's rooted in the Lord and rooted in Him, it's 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 of Him. It's going to happen, right? yeah. not because of the person.
3: Well, listeners, thank you very much for joining us today. And to our guests, thank you very much for yeah, staying up so really late on a, on a school night. And Carrie, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for making this happen. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to the rest of you next week. God See ya.
1: bless.